I just wanted to share, you know, last week we talked a little bit about David, went through 1 Samuel in chapter 17, talked about the courage and the, the boldness, but we talked mainly about the fact that he was positioned to see victory in his life. And, uh, you know, God's given me a few people to talk about on Wednesday nights and uh, a few different folks. And tonight, uh, God put in my heart about Gideon. And, uh, you know, as we go, I think next week might be Peter. He's the most improved player, I think, in the Bible. He went from three strikes to a home run. So we'll talk a little bit about Peter maybe next week. But uh, this week I felt to share just a little on Gideon. And uh, the fact that uh, I think when we look at Gideon, we realize that, that it, it, he was the lowest of the low. And I think sometimes we don't realize what he had to do in his life in that moment of time to change and become what God wanted him to be. You know, I'm going to read this story and talk to you, and that's in the Message Bible, Sandy and Judges, when we get there. But, uh, you know, it's this idea that says he, he knew who he was in the natural, but God told him something different. And then sometime between when God told him what, what he was supposed to be, he had to go from what he thought he was into what God thought he was. And one of the scriptures that we looked at tonight, and Pastor Pam shared it, Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement or unless there's unity there? How could Gideon in his own heart be saying, well, God, I'll do it, but I know I'm nothing. See, God, I'll try to do what you want me to do, but you know what? I, I know I can't do it. I, I'm just the lowest of the low. And all of his thought processes, the things that came out of his mouth, it was all going one direction. And I think many times when we come to God, we have, this, we have the same issue or the same problem. Moses had the same problem when God began to tell him about it in Exodus, what he was about to do and what he was going to do for him, how he was going to take the children of Israel and lead them out of captivity, how he was going to take them to the promised land. And Moses immediately, like many of us would probably do, began to tell God, no way that can't possibly happen. Now, we wait at least until we leave church. You know, Moses was doing it like right there. As God said, you're doing this, he kept saying, no, I'm not. And God would say, yes, you are. And he said, well, I can't. And he began to tell God all the reasons why. And that was like one conversation that you can read there in Exodus. The difference with us is we usually get in our car and go home and then wake up the next morning and tell God that we can't do it. See, we don't usually do it like right here, right now in this moment because we're a little different. See, we, we've got the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us. And you're a believer. And on the inside of you is the life of God. The sin nature is gone, just like it was in this tank as you come under and you come up. And so there's a part of you that knows that it's possible. See, with Moses, he wasn't there yet. He only had God speaking to him, and he only had, he only had what God said to rely on. That's all he had. We have what God said, yes, but we also have the Spirit alive on the inside of us. That's why when God says it, something gets tickled on the inside. See, that's why many times we don't say no right away because on the inside it feels good. On the in inside we go, ooh. Yeah, see, the back of, I knew that in the back of my head. I knew I was all right. God's telling you're good. This is going to happen. You're going to be this person. You're going to be that person. I've called you to do this. I've called you to do that. Pastor has a word for you. Somebody speaks something here. You hear something on TV and you know it's right for you. What happens on the inside? This splash of the Spirit on the inside. And in that moment, that's not when you say no. Because God's speaking directly to you by His Spirit. And Spirit wisdom is discerned spiritually in your life. And so on the inside of you, part of you at that moment says, oh, yeah, yeah. But what happens? You go out of this place or you go out of that place where you were. You go out of his presence. You go out of your prayer closet. You go away from the TV. You're not listening to that CD anymore. You get out of that point, and all of a sudden you start to think. See, Moses was just responding to a question that God had because it didn't make any sense to him on the inside because he didn't have anything on the inside of him to make sense with. But we're different than him. See, we're different than Gideon. 
We're not like him. Although you may see yourself as the lowest of the low. You may see yourself as the person who couldn't possibly do anything. Too many people tell God, no way, no how. But usually waits until after it felt good for a moment. That's why we're so discouraged. See, if somebody told you to do something, you said, no way, I'm not going to do it. And you walked away and it wasn't any big deal. That wouldn't bother you. The reason that it bothers you when you say no to God and then you walk away and you feel bad about saying no is because on the inside of you, part of you knew that was going to happen. Part of you knew that was the truth. The Spirit of God that's alive on the inside of you grabbed hold of that thing. Now, whether you knocked it out of your own hands or not, see, that's why, that's why when you say no to, like Gideon said, no way, man, I can't do that. That's not possible. And it didn't say that he felt bad about that. It didn't say that he rued that moment, that it was just like, oh. He was honestly just, just saying that. But when God speaks to you, when he puts something in your heart, when you read something in the Word of God and it just splashes and it begins like neon sign bouncing off the top of your pages, you know that's God for you. You can't, all of a sudden, in that moment, you can't get talked out of it. Why? Because you're in his presence, you're in his place, your spirit, man, is alive on the inside of you and grabbing hold of the seed that's being planted. But then the problem is, as we go away from that spot, we don't rehearse that. See, Moses had to change his mind. Gideon had to change his mind. It's victorious thoughts. Gideon somehow had to go from who he thought he was to become who God said he was. And how did he do that? He had to believe in his heart that that was what he was. And he didn't have six months to do it. He didn't have two years to do it. It didn't take him a whole lifetime to get there. The Bible's very clear. You change your mind, you change you. It says that in the Word. We'll go through some of these scriptures here in a moment. But Gideon had to change his mind. He came to a point just like many of us do. God spoke to him and told him who he was supposed to be, who God created him to be. God said he would be with him. He wouldn't leave him. He wouldn't forsake him. He could do this thing that God's called him to. He will be victorious and all of this will happen. Now Gideon ran around and he did a few things and he asked God for some confirmation and he said, you know, a few things to God, like, come on, are you sure this is you? He's getting ready. He's starting to change his mind. He's headed that way. But once he realizes it, he never goes back. See, he doesn't get halfway through the task and then come back to God and say, oh, hold on a minute. We're getting ready to take over and I'm, you know, we're fighting them, but are we going to win? You know, there was the dream that came and told him. And all those things, we won't get to the end of the story. We're just going to read the beginning. But the end of the story, we all know, Gideon is successful. And he takes that great big army and God pairs them down to just a little bit. Gideon all of a sudden has become a great leader in like just a, just a few moments' time. He's gone from being the lowest of the low, the one hiding, threshing wheat for his father, hiding in the wine press so nobody can see him, so nobody will come and, t- and steal his stuff. Because the children of Israel were very oppressed. See, God's put you in this earth for such a time as this. And you may see yourself like Gideon was, but God doesn't see you like that. He sees you as a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor. He sees you as a mighty warrior, as the the Message Bible says. It says in in Judges chapter 6, it's verse 11, and this is from the Message. And I don't always read from that, but I have been just a little bit lately. It says, one day the angel of God came and sat down under the oak tree in Oprah. She's everywhere. That belonged to Joash... (laughs) Yeah, B's right. She's even in the Bible, man. Whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press. Out of the sight of the Midianites, the angel of God appeared to him and said to him, God is with you, O mighty warrior. Now, for us, you know, the, the New King James says, you mighty man of valor. To us, we would say, you know what? I would respond so much differently. I would just stand up and say, you got the right guy, and let's go get him. But you know, you know, in the back of your mind, I, uh, maybe. 
That's what you want to say. That's what you want to do. And when, when, when you get the hands laid on you, when you hear God, when you got your arms up praising him and he's speaking to you and you're quiet before him in your prayer closet, whatever that is, you, man, you, something on the inside of you rises up and says, this is real, this is true. If, and you probably say, if it could only be like this all the time. See, but to do what God called you to do, to fulfill the plan that he has for your life, it has to be like that. Just like what you said, Betty, just like what you, what you said. Where, where'd she go? Betty's here, but where did, where did, where did Janae go? she disappear? Is she right in front of me? Scream, Janae! Oh, she's in the bathroom. Well, that's embarrassing. Don't scream, Janae! Someone will run over there and try to help her. Are you okay? No, Pastor John said scream. But just like you said and just like Janae said, there's going to be a time when you leave this place. The things that you said on that screen, that, that's important because that's who you know that you are. See, that's what your mind is telling you. You know from your spirit to your mind out your mouth, that's who you are. That's who God created you to be. He took you from where you were to where you are today. You talked about, Janae did some, like reading the word, meditating the word, doing all these things. I mean, you go through step by step by step what you're supposed to do. Don't forget that. Because if you're going to have the ending that Gideon had, you can't forget that. Because if you forget that, you've begun to think about something else. You begin to forget rehearsing the victory. You forget to rehearse who you are in Christ. And you start looking around you and taking all the stuff that you see. You begin to try to make a way for it. You begin to try to, to, to say, oh, it's all right. It'll be okay. We'll, we'll make this concession over here. We'll try this over here. Instead of remembering who you are. Don't ever forget what you said. Don't ever forget what that video was. Corey makes it at the end. He takes the video and he makes a little one for you and he packages it to you and he gives it to you. Hopefully you still do that, right? So you'll have that. So when, when you're in those moments and you're in those moments of doubt and the devil's telling you that it's not going to happen, that it's not going to be that way, that you know what, you've changed, that the world is different and that that can't possibly happen, you put the thing in and you remember, you hear what you were saying about yourself. Because somewhere in time, that's what you thought about you. Your thoughts were lining up with his thoughts. And how can two walk together unless they become uni unified? See, and that's the deal here. Gideon had to get hooked up with God. But now he, he, he had a moment here in the beginning, and he began to tell God, just like many of us do, why that can't happen. You know, but it says in Isaiah 55, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God's thoughts are higher than our, or his ways are higher than our ways. What are we supposed to do? Get hooked up with his. I would rather have his. If his are higher than mine, I'd rather be part of his. So what he's thinking about you, what he's thinking about your children, what he's thinking about your life, what he's thinking about your health and your finances and all of those things, they're all to give you a future and to give you a hope, Jeremiah 29, 11. Those things all line up for that. So you get hooked up and you get in line with what he's thinking about you. That's where Gideon was in this place. First of all, he wasn't because he began to tell God that wasn't, he said, what with me in verse 13, with me, my master, if God is with us, then why has all this happened? This isn't a question that he just asked one time in the Bible. People ask that question all the time today. You may have asked that question. If God is really with me, then why is all this stuff going on? Why are all these problems happening? Why is all this mess going on? That's what he said. He said, where are all the miracle wonders that our parents and grandparents told us about? Telling us, didn't God deliver us from Egypt? The fact is God has nothing to do with us and he has turned us over to Midian. But it says, God faced him. The angel of the Lord faced him directly and said, Go in this strength that is yours. Save Israel from Midian. Haven't I sent you? Gideon said to him, My master, how and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan's the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the runt of the litter. 
See, here, now he's beginning to, I, but I can't possibly do that. Now, somewhere from where he says, I'm the runt of the litter, to where he comes down that hill and they charge in, something had to change in his life. He didn't go right away and end up with those, with those armies. He didn't go right away and then tear up all the stuff that the, the, the Midianites had. He didn't go and destroy them and send Israel into victory. First, he went and he tore down the altars. That took guts. So somewhere along the way, see, he's beginning to understand that, that this is true, this is real about him. That he can even, in the middle of the night, get his buddies together and go and he can tear down the altar and he can make the right sacrifice in that place. So he's beginning to, he's starting to rehearse that, you know what? What God is saying about me is true. Do you rehearse that or do you look in the mirror and see what you see and say, oh. Or do you look in the mirror and see who God sees and say, yeah. See, when you wake up in the morning, what's your first thought? That you're the apple of God's eye, that he loves you? Or is your first thought, woe is me, how am I going to make it? See, because the, the Midianites... See, they were coming against the children of Israel. He was oppressed. He was in the wine. He was, he was threshing wheat in the wine press. So his thought was, I've got to hide because they're going to steal everything that I have and I'm not going to have anything. But he goes from that to tearing up the altar to being the leader of the army that brings victory into the camp. How did he do that and how did that happen? See, here's the thing. In verse 16, this is what God told him, and I think this is key with us as well. In verse 16 of that same chapter, God said to him, I'll be with you. And then he said, what? He says, believe me. Believe me. Now, we've been talking about that. I've been sharing about that over the last few months, that God's with you. We've gone to Joshua 1. We've gone through that, that chapter many, many times. The fact that God told Joshua, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. How he's going to be with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Then you have to come to this point because that's what he said. I'll be with you. But he said what? Believe me. Now, maybe you've said that to your children and they've kind of questioned you at times and you've said, believe me, it'll be, we'll get it taken care of. Now, your kids sometimes can be impatient. Your kids can come back and ask you again. But then you tell them what? Believe me, it's true. I'll do it. And in your heart, you intend to do it. And hopefully, as a parent, you walk that out and do it. Fulfill your promise. Now, we're a little wishy-washy because we're flesh. God's not wishy-washy. See, with your children, your, your heart is to do whatever that is. Your heart is to take care of them. Your heart is to fulfill your part of that bargain. To say, yes, I will take care of it. Believe me. Now, there are situations and things, and sometimes we wander off of that because we're flesh. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. Don't put, don't put our inadequacies on God. If God said it and he said, believe me, you better believe him because he will come through. He is not a God that should lie, and he was not a God that's going to come back on his promises. And so he told him, believe me, you will defeat Midian as one man. See, too many believers, they, they, don't, they don't step out in faith then. They don't say, okay, I believe you. So you need to get to a point in your life where God says it as crazy as it sounds, as out there as it is, you believe him. And you begin to act like it. You begin to live like it. You begin to talk like it. You begin to think like it. What are, those, are those important? Uh-huh, Joshua 1.8. What are you thinking? What are you saying? What are you doing? Think the word, meditate the word, speak the word, put it out of your mouth, live the word or act the word, be the word, do the word, and you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. So yes, those three things are important. So Gideon's all of a sudden now he's starting to think, oh, I gotta, I gotta believe. 
And here's the problem. In your world, when you have doubt, that kills faith. God's seed of opportunity will never take place, I say this all the time, in your field of doubt. His seed of opportunity will only bring forth a harvest in a field of faith, not a field of doubt. And so in your life, you have to be cultivated in faith. You have to live in faith. That's who you are. That's what you breathe. That's, it's, and what's faith? Not you, it's him. And Gideon came with all of these people, and what did God do first? Of all, he pared it all down so everybody would know it was God and not Gideon. Even though he said, Gideon, you're the mighty man. Even though he says, Gideon, you're going to do these things. Even though he says, Gideon, you're going you're gonna to defeat them as one man. Even though he told him all of that kind of stuff, he has this big army, and God pares it down so it's just 300. So now it's an impossible situation again. Gideon believes it, and Gideon did what most of us would do. He planned his way. He got all these people, became a big military leader. He's got the whole army there. Okay, God said we're going to do it. Let's go do it. I got a big bunch of people here. Now, lest he think when it's over that it was him and not God, God pared him down so that even though, see, he didn't say he didn't believe God. He just went out and did what he was supposed to do. But in the midst of that place, see, God began to pare him down. And in our life, you know, I, 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 I was all excited, and I shared for a couple times in the, in the spring this year when Rachel run that scholarship to Butler. It was, an, it was an exciting time, and we were pumped up. I mean, she was going to get a full ride to Butler. It's 43 grand a year, and we've been believing, and God put it in our hearts, and we stood on that word, and we prayed. And then that happened. I mean, she won the scholarship, and we were so excited, but we were misled. We believed that was a whole full monkey deal where it was going to be all 43 grand every year. We were all pumped up, excited, only to find out that it was just tuition. Tuition and books, which is not bad. That's still $33,000. But when you do the subtraction, that still leaves 10. And then we began to pray, and I told her, don't worry. That's what I said. Don't worry. Don't, don't listen to kids. But all these kids know, and they're telling me, don't listen to people. Don't listen to words. Let's just... Let's just trust God. Let's just keep, we'll keep going. We'll talk to the right people. We'll see what God has. It's all right. He made a way for this. He's not going to leave you hanging anywhere else. Just keep staying. See, you can come to a point where you believe. You can come to a point where you see it. Then God takes your army and he just puts you back down to 300. Because there for a moment, I can't say I got a big head, but I did think, woo, I ain't going to have to believe anymore. Yeah. Right? Because God, I mean, I'm excited. I give God the glory. He came through. But God's not ever going to let you come through and not have to live by faith. He's not going to take you to a point where he's going to get you through and then let you flounder. Maybe he knows I would flounder. I don't know. I hope not. But he brought us to a place where all of a sudden now Butler took care of a room. So now we're down to food. Praise God. This one needs like a, a... 14 teenage milk boys though so it's going to be expensive it's still five grand or whatever it is but you know what that's great that's where we are that's where we're at. god's going to keep providing she got a couple more scholarships since then some things kind of nickel and diamond taking it down taking it down i just keep praying god's going to make that way well there seems to be no way he'll get all the glory he'll get all the praise and i still have to live by faith see so don't feel bad for gideon that all of a sudden he went from all these people down to 300 when you read the book it looks so simple when you read the story, you go, Gideon, come, come on. Of course it's God. He said he was going to do it. But when that book is your life, it doesn't seem that simple, does it? <laughs> see, think about that. When it, see, the, this, this story is no different than you. It's no different than me. 
he started to believe. He got things going. He did a few things for God. Then God gave him a little confirmation with the fleece back and forth. A little different. That's a different teaching about that. But then, you know, all of a sudden he knows it's gone and he gets ready to do some things and then God pairs him down. And it didn't say he went like, what are you doing, man? We need more people than that. He's staying, what is he standing on? He's standing on the word that God said, that you're going to defeat the Midianites, that you're going to bring these people out, that you're a mighty warrior in this version or a mighty man of valor. 300 or not. Then what? The guy came and told him the dream and the barley coming down, rolling through the place. He found out everybody's scared. This is it. This is us, man. Let's go. The sword didn't get in. And they have victory. Well, see, in his, in his heart, he had to be living by faith because he knew that not a few moments before that, he knew he was the lowest of the low, and he knew there was no chance for him. He knew there was no way. He even had the misconception that God had deserted them and left them to die in this place, that they were going to be stolen and robbed from, that they were going to be beaten down and downtrodden by all of these Midianites. He, he was thinking so backwards, he had it all messed up. But God that quickly spoke the truth to him, and he that quickly released, or held on to the truth, and then all of a sudden things began to change. And I'm telling you tonight in your life, we go through this story, and that's all the farther of that story we really need to go through or to read. But what we have to understand is that Gideon got it. He did what verse 16 said. He believed God. Now, in your life, in my life, are we in a place, are we in a position where we can say, I believe God? You know, have you got to that place in your life where you're going to say, okay, God? Have you rehearsed that thing? Like I said, you know, take the, the, the DVD, you put it in, you watch that thing over and over again. Janae, you weren't around. But we talked about that DVD and the things that you said and the things that you spoke. When you leave this place, the devil's going to start telling you that isn't true. That you're not going to make it six months from now. Who knows what he's going to be telling you, what he's going to be lying to. But you got that DVD, you can put it in there and say, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's who I am. See, because right now, in this moment, in this time, you believe that's who you are. You believe that's what God did. So now from here to the end of life, just live life moment by moment like that. Don't give up. You have your disc. Now you're caught up. But here's the thing. In your life, do you have that? Because it says in Habakkuk to do what? To write the vision down. Write it on tablets. Write it plain. Put it on paper. Put it down there. Why? So that you may run with it. For those days where the devil's trying to kick you in the hiney, you can say, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. This isn't right. Something's not right. Get my book out. See, you begin to read the story of the things that God's done in your life and what he's promised you. And you begin to go through those pages and you begin to rehearse who you are. You begin to rehearse what God did. You begin to rehearse how big he is. You begin to rehearse what he told you and what the promise was and how he's come through for you before and he's going to come through for you again. And what are you doing? You're building yourself up in who you are in Christ. You're, you're remembering. See, that's mind, right? You're remembering what happened. You're remembering what God did. You're remembering what God said. Oh, this is good. This stuff sets you free. I mean, do you, do you think that? Do you think that about you all the time? Because we all have moments where we don't. We all have the enemy coming against us. The enemy doesn't come against you with a stick and you with something else. The enemy comes to get you at your mind. He comes after your head. He tries to make your mind a battlefield. He tries to mess you up. He tries to keep you confused. He tries to keep you messed up in drugs, messed up in alcohol, messed up in all that stuff. Why? Because it dulls your mind. And if you don't have your mind stayed on the Word of God, you're going to be a mess and fall apart. It's that simple. Because you can't do what you're not meditating. You can't speak what you're not thinking. It goes thinking, speaking, doing. 
And if you stop thinking it, it's just a short period before you stop saying it, and it's just a shorter period after that that you stop doing it. Because Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So as soon as you look at the bill and you begin to think that you don't have enough money to make it and you're going to fail, you begin to fail. When you begin to receive that thing that the doctor said and you begin to say, I have this, this is what I've got in my body, I know this is what's happening, I know this is the direction I'm going, that's the direction you're going. Because you've taken your focus off of Jesus and you've put it on this situation. You've taken it and put it on your finances, your health, your children, your marriage, your job, whatever those things are. You've taken it off of him and you put it on there. Does he care about those things? Yes, and he'll give you the thoughts to think about those things too. But think his thoughts and not your thoughts, right? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So this isn't necessarily mind over matter, but it does say, like I've always preached, mind does matter. Mind matters a lot. What you have going on up here in your noggin, it goes a big way toward making you be who God called you to be. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Romans 12.2. These are all New King James, I think, Sandy. But it says in Romans 12.2 that you can be completely changed. How many of you are different than what you were before? I mean, like, you know, think about it. I mean, think about where you were. Maybe not different from yesterday. You know, I mean, we should be progressing every day. But, but maybe you, you know, what were you like last year? What were you like two years ago? What were you like three years ago? What was your life like five years ago? Where were you and what has changed? Well, you sure think differently if you've gotten positive and you've gotten better and you've gotten into the Word. Has God brought you somewhere? Has He done something? None of us get free from having to go through tests, trials, and tribulations and stuff. It's it's in life for all of us from from now until the end. But see, in your life where you are, do you see yourself better or do you see yourself as worse? If you see yourself as better, well, what was the difference? We say, well, God was. Uh Uh-huh. But it was your belief in who He is. It was your faith in who He is. It was this scripture coming to pass because I know in our life we live to the extent in victory that we believe that this is true. It says, do not be conformed to this world, which means you will be. It's saying you are being conformed to this world. The world is sucking you in and telling you what to think. The world is sucking you in, telling you what to believe. The world is sucking you in, telling you what you'll be able to do, what you can't do. The world is sucking you in, telling you how you can live and how you won't live. I mean, the world is bringing all those things to your doorstep. It says, don't be conformed to this world, which means you are being conformed to this world unless unless you be transformed. You be completely changed. And how do we do that then, sir? I mean, I want to know. I don't want to be like the world. I want to be like you. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. How do I do that? It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind to the Word of God. What this thing says is true. What the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your heart. You begin to renew your mind to those things. And how many of you know, this is way different than what we think naturally. I mean, how many of you know, I mean, you know what God told you about yourself, what God said, you look in the mirror and you think, Wow. He must be good because I, man, I don't, you know, I don't deserve that. My life's been a mess. I've done all the wrong things. I shouldn't be able to, I mean, really, truly is that, see, when you pray for people, they begin to cry. Some of it's just, just a relief. Some of it's just the idea that says, I'm not going to have to live under that anymore. And see, what are they believing? That it could be different. But what are they doing? They're believing. See, do you believe? Do you believe? And God's going to take you from one belief to the next belief to the next belief to the next belief. That's called growing in faith. 
called growing in him. You don't all, you don't all the way, 100% get transformed. It says you're still flesh. There's still a little bit of you that's this earth. Now, when you die and go be with Jesus, then you're 100% him and no percent you. Aren't in the whole deal, try to get to 100% of him? Isn't that what we're trying to be like? Be more like Jesus every day? Well, you won't ever get there until you get to heaven. But when you get to heaven, you become the fullness of who God created you to be. And there's none of you because it's all down here. But the idea is to be headed in the right direction when you go up there. Don't be anchored to the flesh. Don't be anchored to the old you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because it says, right, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we talked about it. You're a new creature in Christ. You're a new, do you believe that? See, you have to believe that. Because when you come and you give your heart to Jesus, when you come and you repent before him in your prayer closet, when you sit down with him and he begins to tell you something new and you say, I know that's who you created me to be. I know that's not who I am anymore. I'm somebody new. When, when that happens, that's got to be you thinking it and believing it. Now, as you live it out, people begin to say things to you like, well, you're different. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully they don't come and say, oh, you're the same old person. Now, you've made mistakes, right, Janae? I mean, you've messed up some, but you're different. You're different than where you were. You're different than where you were six months ago. You're different than where you were a year ago. You're different than, are you getting better? Yeah. Do you still make mistakes? Sure, we all do. But you're getting better. You're believing more and more what you said. You're believing more and more that that's true. You know that the way out in your situation is gone, and that's the only way you can get out. You begin to believe more and more that that's the truth. And the more and more you believe, the farther out you step in faith, the more this thing becomes true. You become changed. You become transformed. You become a new person. Even to the point where you get out here so far, how many of you look back, you don't even recognize your old self? Huh? Yeah, and you look back at old pictures of you. Go back and look at old pictures of you and see how, man, woo, who was that? Huh? I mean, it even begins to affect who, who you are, how you look. It begins to affect all kinds of things about you. I would guess that most of you, if you look back at pictures, now, and I'm not talking about the fact that you were 15 pounds lighter or whatever. I'm just saying when you look back at pictures, if you look back at the old you years before you were saved and just look at the eyes, just look at the face, just get just the aura of what that picture represents of who you were, and then look at who you are today. And I, and I bet you none of you go back and say, I was better off back there. Telling you, it has a way to affect who you are. It affects everything about you. It begins to change all this stuff. All of a sudden, there's light and life coming out of these eyes and out of this face. There's a smile and there's love there. Why? Because you believe it. You believe it's true. Have you seen it all? Nope. Have you seen a lot? Well, I don't know. Maybe just a little bit. Maybe you're getting better and better. But see, you keep believing. You keep pushing. You keep going there. Ephesians chapter 4 says that we none of us get a chance to, to take a break. Real quickly here, we've got a couple more scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. Now get this, because this is important. It says, as you go back in here, and I, I think it actually starts even farther back uh, than that, but it says in, in verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And I don't even think this is even right. 17, right? 17 through 24, I'm reading the wrong one. I'm reading Pete Rose, number 14. Right? The number, the number system should be turned around like 23. That's just Jordan. And 14's Rose, because that's Pete Rose. And 6 is James, because that's LeBron James. And maybe not. Anyway, we'll go with 17. 
17 was me. That was my Harrison number. I was 17 when I was a coach. That's the dumbest sport ever, baseball. They made the coach dress up like the players. Now, how dumb is that? You don't see the basketball coach wearing shorts and a tank top. He's got a nice suit on, right? Even the football guy gets to wear, like, sweats and look good. He'd have to wear, like, the helmet and the shoulder pads and everything else. I don't get it. But it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their what? Their mind. See, the world is dying. The world is going to hell. The world is falling apart. Why? Because they're using their minds. They're not tapping into what? Him. If you don't tap into the presence of God, if you don't tap into the wisdom of God, if you don't tap into the strength of God, if you don't tap into the goodness of God, if you don't tap into those things, you're going to be just like the world. And it says they have futility in their own mind. So when you're out there trying to figure it out on your own, think about that for a minute. See, when you face a situation, when you face a challenge and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to solve it, you don't know what the answer is, it says that you're thinking in your own mind because it says that he has all the answers. Get into the Spirit. Tap into the Spirit. It says and goes on, having their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Oh, ouch. Just called them ignorant too. I don't want to be that guy. It says, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over. They've given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanliness and greediness. But it says, you have not so much learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth. How many of you have been taught the truth? So you've been in this church, you've been in the church for an hour and a half today. You've been taught the church, you've been taught the truth. And what do we live? The truth. What do we believe? The truth. Why? Because the truth sets you free. We say it every service. See, all this kind of goes together. It all kind of fits. It's all just different pieces of the same puzzle. And it all continues to roll and continues to grow. It goes on, it says, And indeed you have heard him, and you've been taught the truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. Put off means don't do it anymore. Put off the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be what? Renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. Again, renewal. Brand new. Not the old you. Something else. See, it's about you changing your mind. And it says, And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's why when you go back to do the things that you used to do, you get a little squishy on the inside and it doesn't feel so good. Why? Because you're supposed to be holy. Because you're supposed to be different. You're supposed to be changed. And God's trying to get you to change. And something on the inside of you is saying, hey, hey, this isn't true. Something on the inside of you is saying, I don't want to do this. So your spirit on the inside is saying, hey, 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 what about me? What about me? As you're getting ready to enter back into whatever that thing is that God called you out of. As you begin to do again whatever that thing is that God brought you from. It's that futile part. See, it's that uncleanliness part. It's that greediness part. It's that blindness and that ignorance part. That's flesh. We all have it. You just have to get over it. Have you ever had anybody say, just get over it? It's so easy when they're over it, right? I mean, when somebody comes against you and says something really bad, and you guys get into a little tiff, a little fight, and you all give it back and, back and forth, back and forth, and you tell them what for, and they tell you what for, and then, uh, and then you walk off. <laughs> and you're, st you're still feeling, uh. And they done got themselves straight, and they done got themselves all good. Usually kids do this, right? They come say, I'm sorry, Mommy, everything should be good. You know, but if somebody comes back to you and says, I'm sorry, I made a mistake, and you're like, you still have a little inside, right? You haven't got to that point yet. You haven't come to the truth yet. 
And what do they say to you? Just get over it. And you go, I can't get over it. But God says you can get over it. He says you shouldn't even be under it. You should already be over it. If you're being, see, if you're walking and living according to the word. That's what it says. I didn't make it up. It says in Romans in chapter 5 that, that, that if you take... If you take Romans chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 5, if you, or chapter 8, verse 5, sorry, 8, 5. If you, if you take the spirit and the flesh, they, they begin to, to make this war. But they're fighting. It says they're at enmity against each other, which means they don't like each other. And the flesh is pulling you one way, and the, the spirit's pulling you the other way. And you're going back and forth in your mind. What do you do? You cast down the thought of the flesh, and you lift up the thought from the spirit. It says that for those who live according to the flesh sets their minds on, on what? Things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is us. This is you. This is who we are. This is an exciting word because this is what can happen to us in our life. And I just want to leave you with this as we begin to close here. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, like I, I said this earlier, and, and many of you kind of looked at me, but I said, you know, here, here's the deal. The enemy makes your mind a battlefield. That's where he wants to do his battle. That's where he wants to do his fighting. That's where he wants to do his stuff. He's not asking you to go duke it out in the streets. Right? Because some of you are some mean folks, and you're good fighters. You've been through some stuff. You've been some places that uh, none of us want to go, and you either. And you've done some stuff. And if you had to fight it out with the devil, you might have a chance. Right? I mean, if you had to, like, duke it and go at it, there's, there's enough tenacity on the inside of you. You might be able to win that one, like, duking it. But see, he doesn't battle that way. It says the weapons of our warfare... Are not, are not done and we don't walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds what does that mean? you fight with the word and you mentality, your mentality changes and you begin to res- think the word you begin to recite the word You begin because what is your weapon? your weapon isn't your fist the Bible didn't say he gives you gloves like a duker he said he gave you the sword of the spirit which is the word of God that cuts to the heart See, this is your weapon. How do, you, how do you wield this weapon? With your mind and with your mouth and with your actions. See, not with like putting somebody down with this thing. You begin to meditate the word because what's the first thing that goes when you get in those situations? Your mind. You've had those conversations and I've talked about it a million times. You get in the car and you know what they're going to say. Then you're going to say this and then they're going to say this and you're going to come back with that and then this is going to happen here and then that's going to go back there and I'm going to tell them what I really think and then they're going to get on me and I'm going to punch them. See, I mean, you have, have you had that conversation? I'm not the only one. Now, how does that happen? Your mind goes. I mean, where did those thoughts come from, you know? I mean, they didn't say those things. You thought if they do say those things, I'm gonna. So you choose, right? That, see, you're choosing at that moment to think something contrary. God has us act in love. God wants you to respond in love. Not giving somebody a piece of your mind. You don't have too many pieces left. Hold on to them. I'm not looking at you. I'm just saying in general. The shoe fits. I'm just teasing. I mean, I'm not, but I'm saying it. You see, I know because you smile when I said that conversation stuff. That, see, you got to remember who you said you were. You've got to remember what God told you you were. You've got to remember what you know today about you. Now here, I'll read this last scripture and we'll stand up and we'll pray. Because I think sometimes, you know, we're like, 
Well, that's awesome. But what hope do I have? I don't even... Sometimes you come before God and you don't even know what to think. You know, you, you, mean you, you come into that place and something happens and you're like, oh, I, don't even, man, I don't even know what to think. But the Word of God says that He'll speak to you. He'll show you. Get quiet before Him. Let Him speak those things into your heart. Let Him bring those things back. That's why I say write them all down on a piece of paper. Put them all over your desk. Put them on your car. So when you have that conversation with yourself about what you're going to do to who and all those things, you look at your, you look at your speedometer and all of a sudden it says... See, I'm supposed to walk in love, that I'm a person who lives by faith, that I don't, walk, I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. I trust God, I love God, He has great plans and purposes for me. Whatever those scriptures say, I'm not, a new, I'm not the old man, I'm the new man. Whatever that thing was, you're going to sit right there, why? Because it takes you from this crazy thing, it dials you back in. And Paul knew, I mean, Paul knew where we would be, he knew what was going on, he knew what would happen in our life, because he said, and I'm reading this out of the message again, but it says in, in, in Philippians chapter 4, because you may be here and say, oh, I don't know, what am I supposed to think? Well, it says at the very least, if you read this, this passage of Scripture, it says, hey, at the very least, where you are in your life, what's going on, if you're not sure what to think, think this. I need that sometimes. See, because I'm dealing with somebody, and they're getting on me, and I'm about to get, I'm about to get right back on them, and they're going to come at me, and I don't know what I'm supposed to believe. I don't know a Scripture, but it says in here I'm supposed to think good thoughts. It says, don't fret or worry in verse 6 of chapter 4. Instead of worrying, it says what? Pray. Instead of worrying, pray. It says in, 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 in Psalms 37, be anxious for nothing. It says, let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. See, let, 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 your, let your confusion, let your, let, let your ramblings, let, your, let your, your, your flesh thoughts, let those things turn around into prayer says letting God know your concerns before you know it a sense of God's wholeness everything coming together for good will come and it'll settle down on you it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life and when you begin to think those crazy thoughts most of the time it's because you're worried about what's going to happen to you and what God wants you to do is change your mind so he can take that worry and he can separate it from you and when worry goes peace comes don't know how it'll happen, don't know what's going to go, but I know it's going to go. See, just peace comes. It says, summing it all up in verse 8, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, things that are noble, things that are reputable, things that are authentic, things that are compelling, things that are gracious, the best and not the worst. See, in that conversation thing in the car that you're having, you're thinking the worst about that person think the best maybe they got a Twinkie with a candle on it and they want to give it to you and apologize think the best don't think the worst it says the beautiful not the ugly aren't you thinking about all the bad things about your spouse when you're in that way home and they've been mean to you that day and you're going to come home and you're going to lay it all out see when you're dredging up the past why are you laughing Marie he's a good guy <laughs> I'm just kidding I won't give you something right okay but see, aren't you thinking the see you're thinking you're thinking the worst when you're dredging up the past on your spouse, when you're bringing up the things they used to do or the things that they did last week? Because all of a sudden you were doing the wrong thing and they called you on the carpet. What do you do? You pull back out the closet because you've been holding them all back here. That's the ugly. And it says not to do that. It says bring out the best, the beautiful, not the ugly things. 
See, bring out the things. Think about the things that praise, not the things that curse. It says, put into practice what you learned from me, Paul speaking, what you heard and what you saw and what you realized. Do that. See, if you'll do this, if this is who you are, if this is how you'll think, if this is how you'll act, if this is what you'll say, it says right there, it says, put it into practice. It says, if you do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Yes, you'll make a difference in their life, but it says you'll do these things because you love God and you believe God. And when you do those things, it says he'll fix you and he'll perfect you. Ooh, that's what we want, isn't it? Amen. Let's stand up together. It is work, isn't it? Marie got up and said, that's some work. It is work. It goes back to Sunday. It takes desire. It takes determination. It takes discipline in your life to do this. But you can do it. Because God said you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty woman of valor. That's who you are. So I'm not sure. We need to figure it out. Get hooked up in this thing. Get hooked up in VBI. Get some classes. Repeat the word. Meditate the word. The only way to change who you are is to begin to learn, know, meditate, speak, and live the word. It's the only plan. I can put hands on you, all those kind of things. Did the Lord come down? He'll set you free. It says that his anointing will break the yoke in your life. It'll knock it out of you. But if you don't continue to renew your mind at that point, then when you go out there, it says it'll be worse. Could be seven times worse. It says he's going to be free. He's going to set you free. When the sun sets free is free indeed. But you got to stay that way. And you can do it. So tonight, just bow your head right where you at. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.